You're listening to Reckless Creatives, a Pipeline Artists original podcast, where Sadie Dean and Jeannie Villette Bowerman share the candid truth about the challenges and benefits of living life as artists. I don't know, my eyes are watering so much. You're crying because you're so happy to see me. I'm so happy to see you. I'm also very tired. Okay, so let's just start with some small talk first. And it's the small talk. Hi. Hey, Sadie Dean. Hey, Jeannie. Okay, so just going to say right up front, um, yeah. we're having torrential downpours here. Yeah. So hoping not to lose my power while we're recording oh. this. Just saying. That would be terrible. Would um, it though? No, not really. No, yeah, whatever. Then we would just be like, okay, here's the episode. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> I just want to point out that your plant is beautiful. It is thriving behind you. I know. And I also finally put up the last blinds in my new old house up there. They're like, you can't. Well, I you can kind of see it, I think, behind. Yeah. Right? Aren't they cool? Yeah. My daughter and son in law got those for me and now the house is all blinded (laughs) but what's nice though like downstairs this is like a completely side note has nothing to do with creatives but it's got the top down bottom up cellular Mm -hmm. blinds which Mm -hmm. is awesome because i hate curtains and so they just like disappear and then my plants downstairs could actually get light so i only killed one so far that's not better deader than a doornail that plant just killed it i don't know why i think it wasn't getting enough light it's kind of a dark house that's the only downside of it so we're putting a screened in porch in the back which will be nice and bright and light Ooh, i need a light room because this is it's too dark do you think you'll do like writing in there or like are you gonna stick to your your spot up here i'm gonna watch for bear and coyotes and foxes and deer. We have a we live in the country. We've got a lot of yeah. a lot of shit going on. Somebody posted in our little community Facebook page a bear and three bear cubs that they caught <gasps> on their trail cam. It's a little warm. They're not hibernating yet. Normally they yeah. would be sleeping by now. Yeah. But they're out there causing trouble. <laughs> well, hopefully soon enough they'll hit that snooze. You know where there are no bears? Where? I'm assuming. I haven't seen it yet. In Miriam's film. Are there any bears? Actually. Maybe. I don't remember. I mean, it's almost it's almost been a year since I've seen it at Sundance. Oh, wow. I want to say no, but I could also be wrong. I feel like that would be something she would put in there because especially she's a lot if, of fun. <laughs> well, especially if it's like a mama bear. Oh, yeah. Right? Maybe it's just like metaphorically bears in there. Now I have to rewatch it just for that. Other than that, it's a very, very beautiful film, which I believe is coming out to streaming, all streaming very soon. And we'll have oh, cool. those details in our show notes. But uh, it's a very good, it's a very good movie. And it rightly so deserves all the awards it won <clears throat> at various film festivals, especially Sundance this year. It took home the... Uh, Audience Award and the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award, as it should, because it's just, it was so good. I saw it at, um, I was staying in Salt Lake rather than in Park City, 
because it's very expensive. Yes. Sundance. But I lucked out and I it was right. The theater is right near my hotel. And I went and they were sharing. They're showing it on like three different screens, but like a live stream. So you could see her presenting it in a different theater. But it was like all sold out. It was really cool for an indie film that is in Salt Lake, not in the main hub Park City, I think is very cool. I got to chat with her in person there and interview her and uh she came back and we chatted on the podcast and unfortunately we didn't have genie there so you were totally missed i was not present at this episode i had to miss it because i was at my daughter's they were getting their they have a really old house too and they were Mm -hmm. getting all this construction work done in the basement like uh waterproofing the basement so they were jackhammering and they have this little corgi who was like barking for days. And on day three, ended up with unbelievable migraine. Oh my God. That left me like sick as a dog and laying on the couch. And the corgi just, and the jacket. So I don't think that if I had been present at this recording, it would have been a good thing. No. Oh my God. It was horrible. But they did a great job. They're getting like four inches of rain right now and knock on all kinds of wood. Their basement is dry. So just in time, just in time. So that was, that was good. I'm very much excited to listen to the podcast with everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. We had fun. Uh, We talked about all kinds of stuff, filmmaking, indie filmmaking. Uh, She's picking back up the sitar. And we talk about that and her being just totally all kinds of creative stuff going on there and she also gives some really cool advice for uh for indie filmmakers which i think we all need to hear yeah daily every day i need all the advice (laughs) i'm not an indie filmmaker but i still need and welcome all the advice and you know where else you can get advice where phil stark's advice column on script magazine that's right that's in that's in another episode so listen to that too (laughs) this is fun Enjoy. All right, cool. You notice you have all guitars in the background. I do. That's just a few of them. <laughs> Are you a player? I am. Yeah. Oh wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. Oh, thank I, you. Thank I, you. I'm picking up sitar after many years. I have oh. a Persian sitar. Yeah, like, that's awesome. I, I studied when I was a teenager. I'm like, you know, I'm going to pick it up again. That's really cool. I actually just bought um, a couple of weeks ago. It's a, a reissue of like the mid 1960s electric sitar that oh, like, Indian the Beatles, one. yeah the upright yeah. one yeah. it's no it looks like a, like a little guitar but it's you know it has like the harp on it and it sounds it's tin so it sounds like a sitar but i haven't gotten that's to like play cool. with it yet but that's uh, so cool. i'll send you a photo of my persian one which is much more dainty and it's more feminine it's yeah very, those are yeah. so beautiful that's so cool oh, very pretty, yeah <laughs> So did you train as a little girl to like play that or is that? I played in my teenage years when I was going back and forth to Iran. Um, I had, I had this mentor and then I went to college and I just, it was like a cool thing to pick up girls, but um, <laughs> I play again for many, I haven't actually played since then. So I thought, you know, what the hell I'm meeting yeah. all these positions for my film. Yeah. They, they've been threatening to teach me. So yeah. again, you know, get back into it. 
That's so cool. That's so awesome. Well, cool. Let's let's jump into this conversation and and just gush over how awesome you are and how beautiful your film is. Um, unfortunately, my co-host Jeannie couldn't join us today because she's house sitting and there's construction. So. Uh, oh, wow. That would have Loud. been terrible, <laughs> but she's missing out. And I've told her about this film before, and it's just, uh, you know, congrats on all the accolades you got off of this. And just, I mean, basically sweeping Sundance and as a great indie film, I think um, it's just amazing. So congrats on all that. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been real showing it around the world. It's cool. Yeah. And to Norway, to, you know, Boston, D.C., all those, all the different cities. It's been really cool. Yeah, it's so cool. And I know that by the time we get this out, I think you only have one more showing next year. They're showing the American Cinematheque. Yeah. They're both of the uh, Sundance winners. Uh, so, cool. so it'll be in honor of kicking off Sundance next it's year. So awesome. So yeah, so jumping in, like since, you know, since we met at Sundance, which I can't believe was like almost a year ago, it feels like yesterday, but you know, what has happened to you as a creative since you've been writing that high and, you know, taking this movie all over the world? Um, I've been trying to sleep on planes. <laughs> Let's call it sleeping on planes. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I was just like worked nonstop from prep to shooting to editing to make the film, you know, and I think the first few weeks I hadn't had a day off in a year, over a year. Um, so when I, uh, my day off was Sundance, <laughs> I think I just like crashed after Sundance. Um, and then we had a bunch of festivals. We've been doing lots of festivals. Obviously the strike really kind of put everything on pause, both the writer's strike and the actor's strike. But, you know, we were able to open the festival in Munich. Um, that was the last time I was with every the whole crew, the actors. And then from then it was a strike. So I was actually traveling around the world by myself. And I did the entire release of the film theatrically in like 500 theaters by myself. That was really hard, you know, because it's such a film about three generations of women and they couldn't be there with me. Yeah. So that was like, it was a strange, solitary experience about a, a film about a big family. Because, you know, between Sundance and Munich, you know, we had like, I had like 10 or 12 actors each time with me. Right. Um, and that that's when the whole family couldn't make it. That was part of the family. So, you know, it is, yeah, it's a very different experience to then travel and represent the film and be the voice of the film and all that stuff. Um, that's why tonight's going to be cool. We're showing it at a special screening where it'll be the first time I've been reunited with the actors. Um, but it has been interesting. Like, you know, you show a film in Japan and people relate to it because it's both a patriarchal and also a modern and conservative country in many ways, or, you know, showing it in Norway, just showing it all over the world. And the country has been so fascinating and how people relate to the film um, and how they feel like somehow their families are reflected in my family. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a universal story. And I, I think I told you too, you know, when I, when I met you, it was just, I think it just anyone who has, you know, who is a daughter and has that mother and that kind of relationship, it just really hits home. And, and then it kind of just makes your mom like a human. And you're like, right. oh, you're everyone's moms, right. We yeah. have to like, understand our moms. And, you know, they always say like, comedy doesn't necessarily travel, but, you know, I, I, it has been cool to see people laughing all over in different cultures and they just laugh in a little bit of a different way. But uh, <laughs> the laughter, you know, it's, I, it does feel satisfying that all oh, those, those jokes work or that they laugh about, you know, they take other they take you know some cultures find certain jokes more funny than others I think right cool. right yeah um, I think that's so cool especially you know having that opportunity to see it with different audiences you know now 
having done all of this work and seeing it with the different audiences and how it works and how the comedy plays and just that universal story and that theme, you know, how, how much is that going to like reflect in your work moving forward? Well, I'm doing like two derivative works of this. I'm doing a series version of it. It's going to be a spin So I've had a lot of different interests. So I'm going to take that out. Obviously, there was a strike. So we've been, we were on hold. So we should take that out in the end of the winter. And I, even when I wrote this film, I was very highly influenced by probably two projects. One, you know, two pieces of art. One is Fiddler on the Roof and the other is Annie Hall. Um, so I'm also developing it as a musical because I always saw it as a musical. It is kind of a musical. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. <laughs> the dance numbers and everything. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like in musicals, unlike in film, like I just find it so fascinating that you can have like the mother and daughter at the same age on stage talking to each other. You know, you can't do that in a film. Oh, you can, but it's, you know, it's, it's different. It's a different uh, process. So I think there's so many things in terms of how the characters through time can relate to each other in a musical, which I find really interesting. And then, and I just have grown up loving musicals and um, yeah, so that's something I'm doing. And then obviously I'm working on my own uh, next projects. Um, I've been offered a lot of different things. I'm looking at meeting different companies and, um, but try to ground things in, Always, I'm trying to remember like why I got into filmmaking and what's important to me in the midst of all of this uh, avalanche of meetings. Yeah, yeah. Well, what? Why did you get into filmmaking? Like, what was that inspiration for you to do this ago? I know who does these crazy things. <laughs> Honestly, for me, it was so much about like, I mean, the Persian version, in many ways, like the culmination of why I ever went into cinema. It was like for representation. Mm-hmm. to see myself to see my community in a way that was human and three-dimensional and real um I, I i hope i did that with my film and i kind of want to continue in like amplifying where i come from and like voices of women voices of you know people from the mina region immigrants just things that i feel are very american in many ways that have somehow been left out of the american narrative um over the last few years so yeah that's been really fun it's fun kind of like and also more than anything like working with the people that are like a family I mean there's this idea of course like professionalism and all those different things but it's such a hard process making a film you know yeah Uh, it's great to make films with partners in crime and people (laughs) feel you guys are in it together and that dialogue and that sort of collaboration and finding people that really want to elevate the work and create something different and and work together towards something I think is really special because you know obviously we all have different strengths and it's it's too hard if you're like <laughs> it's good to have a little bit of tension obviously um but I think yeah I think that's what I've learned I like to find people that see that want to amplify the same things that you do yeah uh, work and in, in film and tv are you so. gonna are you gonna use that same filmmaking tribe on the, on the next projects that you're doing? I am doing a film um, as I'm developing a couple of different things, but one that's very far along. Hopefully, we're shooting this summer. Is something that actually the actress who plays the mother wrote, um, and she's been trying to get me to read this script for five years. She's been working on it for five years. I've always been like, "Yeah, I will. I promise." <laughs> and I was like, "No, I got to read it. It's embarrassing." She's been asking me all this time. <laughs> And it's always, it's always scary to read someone's script. You're like, I hope it's not horrible. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's good. <laughs> so I was rewriting that and hopefully working together. It'll be fun to like reunite. Yeah. Um, and I'm working 
with some of the actors on different capacities on different different projects. So I would love to keep collaborating with some of them. That's really cool. That's awesome that they can like come to you to keep collaborating like that. Yeah. Building building that trust. Yeah. When you find people you love and I hope that we could keep some of the actors for this, if the series goes forward, that would be great. Yeah. That, that ensemble that you have, uh, I believe I mentioned it to you then. I'm, I'm sure you I have remember the hottest our... ensemble at Sundance. Come yeah, on. Yeah, you did. I was saying, I'm sure you remember <laughs> our, our conversation to every detail, but um, because, you know, you only did like 800 interviews, but I, I remember just saying like this ensemble is just so fantastic. And I just want to see more of them. And I'm so happy uh, that you are doing this series because the characters are great. The actors are fantastic. And then with your, you know, super power behind it, it's just like this great thing. So, yeah. And also the brothers were really just like the tapestry to the, like they were the, they were the chorus, the women's stories. They each have their own stories that are really fascinating. And, um, and a lot of people really shine to them as little, as few lines as they had, they each were so specific. Uh, it'll be fun to kind of get, let them break out a little bit. There'll still be secondary characters, but don't worry. We'll get a little bit more. We'll let the guys talk this time. Yeah, that's okay. Just a little dialogue. Let's not be oppressive. (laughs) So I'm I'm curious for you, because I know you've mostly worked in drama, and and this one being, you know, drama and and comedy. Are you doing comedy now? Like, is that your new thing? I do like uh, mixed genre, I have to Mm -hmm. say. Um, I like the dramedy or, like the sarcasm that you can get through mixing these genres. So they, it is permeating my work more and more, maybe because that's kind of the way I see the world as, as someone, as my agent once said, just like, wow, this is the first film that's actually you. And I, I just had a meeting yesterday with this big producer. It was like weird. Like, I didn't know, you know, you don't know how the person will be. It's like, you're just like your movie. <laughs> it literally is your voice. <laughs> Like your sense of your sensibility is very much captured in that in that in that film. So I think, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we do as artists, right? We like are we can change genres. We can just like trying to find our voice. Um, but this is actually um, a genre I'm really interested in to keep, keep exploring. Yeah, and there's so much that you can do with the comedy genre too, or just mixed genres. And in, in terms of like, you know, we talked about like you know familial uh, trauma and how that's carried through like our DNA and like. How you're able to weave that through comedy it's like very uncomfortable but also very funny and that's awkward the at the same that's time. What i'm finding like things that are difficult sometimes you can access it in a different way as a writer as a director yeah you go about it in the opposite way you know and actually someone said to me how can, how can you deal with generational trauma with comedy aren't you this is this is like insane i said yeah exactly it is <laughs> and I feel somehow that's the only way I could deal with it personally. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's just where I am in my life. It's just, I think there's so much trauma in our country and our families, um, so much fracturing. I don't really know how to approach it necessarily unless I have some levity, some lightness. Some, I think maybe because with comedy, you, there's a sort of level of hope, mm. of like resolution, of catharsis that comedy brings in a way. I think that's maybe what I'm seeking. Yeah. We all, at the moment. Yeah. We all need that. We all need that with uh comedy. Yeah. It's just, it's, it just helps the medicine go down. And I certainly have yeah. watching comedy much more and more. I mean, in the last eight years, it's been 
you know, six, eight years, it's really been a staple of my survival. <laughs> yeah, especially during these times, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, speaking of, you know, finding your voice, like when, when in your, you know, writing, directing journey, did you realize like, this is, this is my voice, you know, was it within your first film, your first short film, or was it really just this movie, Persian Version, where you're like, here I am in all my glory, take me as I am. <laughs> is a document of at least for writer directors. I think every film is like kind of a document of where we were at a particular moment in our lives. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think of it as that it's kind of part of my past. You know, I, like everything I've done led me to this moment. So I don't know if it's that I found it now, but I've been, I think we're always in the process of finding and discovering and, and we're always changing, right? And we have a core of what we believe in and what we want to base our lives on. But even within that, you know, the how we do it is always changing yeah yeah so unless we're making well there are i mean i guess there are people who do really kind of like make photocopies of their previous works over and over (laughs) i don't know i don't i don't really that's not really my process my process is really when i'm writing something or you know be it fiction be a script or is am i writing non-fiction i I do a lot of different types of writing is i'm trying to kind of process something in my own brain and almost I, I I hate to say this, it sounds kind of cliche. It's like I need to get it out of my head to kind of to let it go in some ways. That's why in some some instances it's a little surreal to keep talking about work that you finish because so much a process of what we do is in it once it's finished. I kind of look at it. I look at all of my previous work in a way that I am almost like I didn't do it. Mm. I feel a bit of outside of the process once it's complete and it's been in the world. Like, oh, yeah, I got that shot. How did I do that? I must, I must have set the camera this way or it must have been that was an aerial shot or that was a, a long dolly shot. That was a trap. I mean, I in a way and I don't know if it's like if it's like childbirth where they say women give birth and then the brain actually forgets it. You know, we forget that trauma. Otherwise, people would only ever have one child. Um, I wonder if filmmaking is that way. It's like, you know, we go through this trauma and then it's like we, we're it's like a race from our brain. It's been catharsis. And then we start again. Like only crazy people would start this process again. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I I was just on a film shoot a couple of weeks ago and it was it's such a blur now because it went by so fast, but we did so much. And you look back and you think about, oh, yeah, we did that thing. Or, yeah, we were standing outside in like 30 degree weather. Yeah. And oh, I was in that hailstorm on the border of Syria where there was a mudslide and I almost died. Yeah, that seems yeah. normal. It's all, all in service of <laughs> making movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's important. But uh, but yeah. you actually do. Once you get a good night. And maybe this is like also my process as being like, you know, at the bottom of the rung of a big, big family. No one really cared about our traumas. They were like, you know, go to eat, eat your dinner, go to sleep. And then it would be like reset. And then right. you could like face your annoying siblings all over again. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that's part of, you know, that process of letting go. And, and my mom would always be like, a good night's sleep and a good meal. I can start all over again. And I would always get so angry. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe she's right. <laughs> but I do think that is part of a process of being from a big family. Because for a long time, I was with a only child who liked to hold the anger and the tension over weeks and weeks. I'm like, clearly you were the only child in your family because in my family, literally nobody would care. <laughs> They'd be like, what are you mad about? Oh, that broken bone. Come on. It's fine. <laughs> it's all healed up. Yeah. 
You'll be fine. You'll be good. Uh, speaking of process, how do you start a project? Does this usually come from like an idea or a thought or something that you're like going through? Like I did it out of my head, did it on the page, do you journal? Is it visual? I mean, yeah. What, what goes on in your head to get it going? I think every project's very different. You know what I mean? Like uh, my first film, I made a feature doc before my first narrative film and I was in film school and I had, I had like this professor and I we had to write a feature. So I wrote this feature. He had come to my doc. It was at the MoMA. I was playing at the MoMA. He loved it. And then he read my feature and he said, Oh, this is so well, so well written, but it's such bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is that an insult? He's like, yeah, sort of. Uh, like, it's just like not at all related to you. It's so outside of, you know, I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And, and then, so he's like, I challenge you to write something that's more, well, that only you could write. So that's how circumstance came about. It was like writing something only I could write. And then, you know, this, my next film came from reading an article that I thought was interesting. I was always, I've been surrounded by journalists. I went to Northwestern. I've been, my best friend's a journalist, um, that world. And then this film kind of like started from a, a joke I told at a, at a party about family secrets. And there was like, it was at the creative capital event and I'm a creative capital fellow. And they're like, Oh, that'd be such a good film. And it was a producer and was like, you know, stalking me for a while to write it. And I think, you know, with the whole Trump era, I was, I wanted to write something funny. I was like, I'll only do it if I could be funny. <laughs> and they were like, sure, why not? You know, great. We're here to support you. And that, I mean, this film was really special because I had so much support. It was kind of a scary process. And I just, so many people along the way, really were champions of the film, of me, of writing it, of making it. Um, I mean, I was kind of the lead producer on it of making this madcap thing, but the process of writing and kind of, you know, ushering it along. I had a lot of good champions. But in my mind, I know there's only one way to make this film. <laughs> With control. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think everything is just such a different process. I mean, I have another project I think I've been working on for 10 years. You know, so I think, you know, I have another pro project I've been working on for 10 years and it's still not ready, you know, but I feel like I'm cracking it because mm -hmm. like, you know, comedy has been a big access point for writing that project. And yeah, so it's just like, you know, every project is very different depending. Yeah, yeah it is. It's its own, its own little beast, own little monster and controlled chaos. Right. And exactly. Got to figure it it's, out. It's something that you're interested in. It's something that's going to hold your interest for a couple of years. And At I have least. this project, you know, it's been many years and I'm still interested and I still haven't cracked it. You know, when you crack it, it's ready. But this, you know, yeah. some things take years and some things are written in six months. Yeah. Some things are written eight weeks, you know, it just depends. Right, right. In terms of making the, the movie, because this movie, it is, it's a big movie for, you know, for an uh, indie film. Like what was, I mean, if you, if you don't mind sharing, just in terms of just getting financing and just getting those people on board to, you know, help you see your vision all the way through um just any kind of advice for filmmakers who are like i had this thing i doubted make it it was originally don't. budgeted at such a big budget and i was able to get a much smaller budget to make it and i found a way to do it i've always produced my own work alongside other producers and this time i really was like okay i am as much of a producer as anyone I bring on because I do produce, you know, and I know, and I'm not someone who's like, Oh, I can't do it because of the money. I'm like, no, okay, let me reimagine it. Like, you know, five obstructions, you know, there's like the famous film. It's like every obstruction can be, you know, to your benefit. And then also where can you shoot? I, I've traveled, I've worked a lot overseas. So I really was 
about, I'm always about, and I've produced for other people. I'm always about figuring it out and still telling the story. Mm. And I think if you really are dying to make something, there's many ways to make the same story. Don't let people tell you there's only one way to do it. I think that's the best advice I can give. I love that advice because uh, you'll find a way. There is a way to make it happen. Everything has a way. Yeah. Some, Some takes longer than others or some you have to be much more innovative. I think don't be afraid to innovate. Nobody knows shit. If they did, they wouldn't be in this industry. They'd be doing something much more rational. Right. <laughs> it's a irrational industry. Um, but anyway, well, yeah. it's so lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it was so nice to talk to you. I wish we had more time. One more question, if you're willing, just just general advice, if you got it, for filmmakers who are just starting out or just even fil- filmmakers in this industry and just navigating and how to you know, make sure you, you know, the writer directors and they want to tell their story, but they got, you know, some people are saying, no, you can't do it. Like, what would you say to them? Nobody can only ever tell you no, only you could tell yourself no. That's one thing. And I say, surround yourself around community. It takes so much to make a film. It takes so much time when you're not actually making the film to be around people that inspire you, that support you, that you throw around ideas, find whoever that community is. You don't, you don't have to have gone to film school. I met a lot of my community at the film festivals. I met community at things I've taught at, or, I mean, you meet community all different places. One of my closest writer friends I met at the gym. (laughs) Um, You just never know. Um, And I felt like surround yourself around positive people and about people who are dreamers. I mean, what we do is crazy. It's half very practical and half completely insane. So remember to keep the insane part going too. It's very important. Yeah. It keeps you you sane, actually. Like, even this layout. Yeah, it's true. Well, Miriam, thank you so much for your time and for, again, this movie. I love it. And I hope whatever you do next, whatever it is, even in the TV series, we get to chat with you again and Absolutely. And we'll, crazy. we'll play some stringed instruments together. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going <laughs> to do some scoring for your musical with your sitar? Oh, absolutely no, but I'm just doing it for fun, please. <laughs> I love it. No pressure. I'm doing no pressure. It. Imagine doing something for fun. I love it. Yeah, do it. That's awesome. <laughs> it's radical, right? Reckless Creatives is a Pipeline Artist original podcast. Like, subscribe, and follow us on social media at Pipeline Artists. And find more info at pipelineartists.com slash listen. Until next time, stay reckless.